this is Jade from the Back to Back Pod. Thank you for joining us today. It's Tuesday, Basketball Buds. Be sure to go to FanDuel.com forward slash B2B. If you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, you can go there and get, get involved with our Wednesday FanDuel Challenge. Uh, if you're new, if you deposit $5, they'll give you $5, and that will help the show. Just play once and help the show. Um, also, subscribe to the new feed on Bomb. Subscribe to the NBA Daily Ding. Yes, I added NBA to it, just to clarify. And also, to everybody, thanks for supporting us on Patreon. It means the world. Um, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Hey, Tom, you were in the house for Kemba last night, right? I was. <laughs> I w- he had me dying watching that game. It was so great. Yeah, we can talk about that. I was there for show. Um, I was at the Rams Chiefs game. Oh, were you? Yeah. Man, what a ridiculous game. We don't have to talk about that on the pod, but oh my god. Like I've never I've never been to a sporting event like that. I was like, watching it was, that. That was crazy. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, Zach, but you missed the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Sacramento Kings. I wouldn't say I missed it. So. Those are two teams we still have to pretend that we care about. The Kings the Kings right. are actually Kings are way more interesting to me than than Oklahoma City. But it's but it's only because of our expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like you just in a vacuum, they're not actually that interesting. Like they're fine. Mm-hmm. They're not boring, but it's just but it's only like thought they're gonna fine. be terrible. Fine is such a departure from the norm for them. There's this notion that teams just gotta give out, you know, max dollars, you know, because why? Because you know what? They're the face of a franchise, and that's what the market bears. Says who? John Walls is an all-star. And by the way, regardless of how he might be feeling about me at this moment, a really good dude. But can he be a bit prima donnish? Yes. Has that been said about him in the past? Yes. Has he alienated coaches and teammates in the process? Yes. And as a result, is he worth 38 to 40 million a year? Hell no. He's doing he's doing a really great job. I, I think that uh, when you watch this team play, it's pretty clear they're responding to him, and that's so important. You know, I mean, for a young team like this, they wanted to change the culture, and Jaeger has done that. And now, uh, you know, I think you've got a front office kind of power struggle going on, and it's getting into the media. Is that is that your take on the situation? That's uh, that's my understanding of what's going on. I will say this: uh, I don't. Well, Tom. You you know these you know those Grizzlies a little bit. Um, Jaeger has a reputation of trying to do some stuff behind the scenes, and it rarely goes well for him. Right? 
Yeah. So like, this was one of those stories where it popped up over the weekend and I was like, this can't be still happening. Right. Like they're good. Like why can't the Kings just be good and everyone be okay with that? Like, do we have to go Kings on them? Like, can we, do we, do we get a grace period of being a 500 team that we, we don't have this front office uh, where a statement comes out that ham has to like go to Vladi and say, Hey, can we get a statement from you? And it's like, I get, I, I don't know too much of the backstory with Jaeger in, uh, in Memphis, but this is what happened to Teron Lou is Teron Lou refused to tank or give hand the keys over to the young guys because he felt like he could win with the vets. And Dave Yeager's the same way where he's like, why should we be playing uh, a 19 year old if we're actually trying to win? And he doesn't have many vets on this team. That's the thing is like, he doesn't have Zach Randolph anymore. He doesn't have Vince Carter. He doesn't have guys who can, um, who have been in the league and know what it takes to win and play both ends of the floor. His veteran guy is belly. Right. Like he, yes. Yes. So like you're giving him basically uh cast offs from other teams. And I'm sorry, but Marvin Bagley, like he's getting 25 minutes a night and that's OK. Like he's 19 years old. That's fine. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's my confusion is like so Bagley on the season, 22.8 minutes a game. Right. And he played 25 last night, or 26 last night or whatever. And he's been pretty good. Right. For a rookie, like rookie big man, like been pretty good. Like he's got some issues, but he's got some positives as well. But I don't like, is there a need to force him into 30 minutes a game? Like, I feel like he's playing basically half the game and that should be enough. I don't know. I, I struggled with this in trying to determine how much a rookie should play with. Um, I always go back to this example of with the Kings. The first year I, I covered the Kings, Kings fans were really upset about, um, about Francisco Garcia getting the starting job over Omri Caspi, who was a rookie. Mm. And, and, and my point, I try to say, it was like, look, I don't know if this is the right call or whatever, but, and this isn't to disrespect Francisco Garcia, but if Omri Caspi can't prove he's better than, than Francisco Garcia for minutes, well, that's kind of a, that that's kind of a, a telltale sign right now, right. In terms of how much he can play. It's not like you're trying to get him in over, uh, you know, LeBron James, right. Or trying to get him into a starting lineup over a really good, a really good wing. Like it was Francisco Garcia. Who's fine or who was fine. Um, they should just let Jaeger coach yet. Let Jaeger coach. Well, no, I so, don't. Th- so this is what I'll say with Jaeger is there. He did a lot of stuff behind the scenes that rubbed people the wrong way in Memphis in terms of trying to secure power or trying to parlay that into other jobs, which I don't necessarily have an issue with, but they did. And so I don't know if this is just, hey, play the young guys. He's like, ah, I kind of want to win my way. Like this is, you know, this is what I want to do. Or if or if there's more to that behind the scenes stuff that hasn't gotten out yet, which I'm not uh, saying there is. I'm just saying based on his history, I have I, that's what that's what I immediately went to when I saw, hey, there's an issue with Jaeger in Sacramento. I thought, oh, cool. We're doing this again. Coaches are almost always going to try to win games, right? Like I think that that's number one. And so to your point. If Bagley was good enough to replace Belly, he would. That's it. It's a, it's a done deal. And and not to mention, uh, that starting lineup has been really good. I don't know why you would mess it up. You're you're going to set Bagley up for failure. Yeah, you're just going to set Bagley up for failure. Um, by right. the way, he was really good last night. Well, and, and, he, and Dave, that also doesn't mean that by February Bagley wouldn't have played himself into a exactly. role with more minutes. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be right away. You can give him time to develop in his rookie season. 
Right. I, I just I, I don't see why there's an issue unless there's underlying stuff. And, you know, to your point, you were talking about uh, Jaeger when he was in Memphis. He was essentially angling for the for the Minnesota job while he was in Memphis because he wanted more per, uh, personnel power. Well, he's not going to get that personnel power with the Kings. They've already got like four guys struggling for power there, not to mention the owner who can't seem to not right. not mess with things. So, yeah, um, well, the, I guess so from your guys reading of the situation, do you think this is a Vivek thing or a Vladi thing? Because I actually think Vivek has been for as much shit as we give Vivek, like I really don't think like it hasn't really been in the ways the last few months or at least, you know, publicly. Yeah, I don't know enough about the dynamics there to comment on that specifically, but you know, to steal a line from Brad Beal, it starts at the top. Uh, well, so from Sam Amick's <laughs> piece the other day, um, started see, from I'm, the top. Now we're here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the assistant general manager, this Brandon Williams guy. Yes. Um, yes. I feel like this is sort of coming from from that camp. It seems like Vlade and Jaeger are kind of tied together at this point, whether that means anything or, you know, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it, it feels that way. Uh, both of them had their contracts picked up for, for one more year. Um, and then they brought in this, this other assistant manager, which I think they have three because Peja is one, right? Uh, he might be like the VP of player personnel, but yeah. essentially he's, he's yes. legally, a, legally a Duke. <laughs> right. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so, um, from, from reading Amex piece, that's, that's kind of what I picked up was that, uh, it seems like there's a, a little bit of a power struggle internally in the front office. Um, this new, uh, this new assistant general manager was looking to replace Jaeger when he came in. Yeah. So he, <laughs> former player, Brandon, Williams. Um, I think he came from the league office too. Is that right? Or am I just making that up? Am I mixing up with someone else? But anyway, um, well, the, the, the funny thing is, is he was talking all about this summer about how they're going to look for the long play. Like this is the long-term project and, and we're, there are no shortcuts. This seems like they're trying to make a shortcut and make Marvin Bagley like a starting player, um, in the NBA. Um, and one, one thing I noticed with like, Trez in the Clippers and Rudy Gobert in Utah. It's like in, in today's NBA, it's going to take a while for you to figure it out at the league. And it's going to be a few years. It's going to like to figure it out, how to be the pick and roll coverages, the energy, the rotations, all that to be a, a top shelf NBA big man. It's going to take a few years and it might take a stint in the G league. It might take a stint being a backup in a, a Sacramento team. You might think that you're ready to start right away, but the NBA is so hard for an NBA big man. So I feel like he needs to uh, treat this like this is a not a uh, a Harry Giles redshirt year, but you got to learn. Well, let's also not overlook the fact that the Kings don't have their pick this year. So there's no incentive to tank. If anything, you should be trying to win as many games as possible because you want to change the culture there. Right. I mean, what's better for, for your culture than winning? And I don't mean like they're going to make the playoffs, but if you win 35 to 40 games for the Kings, that's a very successful season. Yeah. That's a step in the right direction for them. Yeah. When they usually just step in their own shit. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's usually I mean, what it is. Yeah, but you, you the thing is, like, could you imagine setting up your two really good guards with uh, De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hield? You're going to set them up for failure by playing them with a guy who's not quite ready. I mean, if he was ready, he would be out there. I like, I have no doubt. I, there's no incentive for for Dave Yeager to want this team to not be as good as it can be. I mean, so I, I just can't understand the argument unless yeah, they just want him out. Yeah, to play devil's advocate, and I don't know that I don't know this holds with Yeager because he he seemed to play the young guys last year. Um, but there are some coaches who won't play rookies, right? Like whether they're ready or not, like they're the Van Gundy tree, yeah. right? The Van Gundy right. tree, right? Exactly. Where um, and it's I think sometimes it's warranted. I think sometimes it's unfair, but. I also think it should push the player to make it ridiculous that they're not playing. All right, listeners, I've got to tell you guys about a new time-saving trick. In under five minutes, using an awesome new app called Simple Contacts, anyone who wears contact lenses needs to know about it. Simple Contacts lets you renew your prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from anywhere in minutes through an online vision test. It's designed by doctors, and every test is reviewed by a doctor – So they're literally bringing the doctor's office to your home. My friend Jessica, she's got contacts. She uses simple contacts. Couldn't be an easier thing for her to do. Contact lenses prices are unbeatable. Vision test is only $20 and you get free shipping. Best of all, listeners get $20 off their first simple contacts order with our promo code BTB. Try it for yourself and save $20 on your lenses by going to simplecontacts.com slash BTB. Again, that's BTB or entering the code BTB at checkout. I want to mention this isn't a replacement for your periodic full full eye health exam. You still need to do those occasionally, but it's the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts if your vision hasn't changed. Don't just take it from me, though. Simple Contacts has been rated five stars over 5,000 times on the App Store. That's really impressive. Again, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam exam. $20 off simplecontacts.com slash BTB or just enter the code BTB at checkout. Save time, save money, save yourself a headache with Simple Contacts at simplecontacts.com slash BTB. Yo, yo. Was. What's going on, buddy? Big was. Big was. How are you guys doing? Good. Good, okay. Did you you see the CHSAA legend Kimball Walker get busy on Boston last night? You cut. (laughs) Down to 10. Pulls up for a three. Buried it. He's, he's done. He's just good. Did you see that? You know what was, was out of character is a New York guy put up big points and then oh, won. All right, that was, okay. That was out of character. I was expecting to lose again. Like that 60-point night. We couldn't get a shot off against Jimmy Butler when it counted. He's- He's on a rampage. He really wants that money this summer, huh? Oh, yeah. He wants that money. <laughs> that money is he wants every cent, boy. Ooh. I love it. Ooh, Michael ooh, Jordan was in the building. Coming, it's not guys. often. More people coming. Oh. No, go ahead. Keep going. What? It's what? a tease. Why did you cut me off to say that? <laughs> Sorry. Kemba's getting paid, by the way. Uh, and yeah. probably by Charlotte. I Like, Tom, you're there. Um, A, how awesome was last night? And then B, uh, do you see any way that they're going to trade him or let him walk this summer? Not after last night. Not after last night. I mean, it's prisoner of the moment. I was there. Like the, the energy that he has is incredible. Like he was running off ball in the fourth quarter and trying to get open when three guys were draped over him. 
It like felt the like the UConn run. It's awesome. It the felt Celtics like the UConn run, man. It tried awesome. everything. Marcus Smart, and he was blitzing Mar- Marcus Smart. They couldn't hang with him. And Tony Parker hit two fourth quarter shots that, believe it or not, went in um, because in Charlotte, no one else scores in crunch time. I think he had coming into the game 40, Kemba Walker had 49 points in clutch situations. And the next highest guy was Malik Monk at like eight or nine. Jesus they don't get anybody Christ. else. They don't get anybody else the ball because they can't create their shot. And Tony Parker hit one, a mid-range jumper. And Kemba Walker, maybe another star like pouts and is like, no, that's my 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 shit right there. No, Kemba Walker tackled him in awesome. jubilation. So happy that Tony Parker hit a shot with 50 seconds left. This wasn't a game winner. This was like 50 seconds left in the game. And he just went up and just hugged the life out of him because he was so happy for someone else to step up and that they were winning and that they were beating the Celtics. Kemba Walker is everything a small market team would want. There is no way, in my opinion, that they're going to move him, not just because of who he is and what he represents, but also they got the all-star. Yeah. You can't move him because of the all-star name. You can't, you know, they would, the city of Charlotte would boycott the all-star game. If Kemba Walker was, if, if they, if they didn't have the All-Star game this year, I think 100% he gets traded. I was 100%. I was, 100% he gets 100. traded. Hold on, guys. If they didn't have the All-Star game. Guys, Tom, I got your old buddy here from Clearwater. In a tank top. Yeah. <laughs> In a tank top. You know what I just did? What's I up, just coach? did the Kemba hug. I just did the Kemba hug. <laughs> What's, going What's, going on? On? What's going on, Coach Thorpe? What is the honor of this today, guys? Um, Jade, uh, Jade felt like we didn't have enough people on the podcast. I'm going to make it a Thanksgiving episode where we now have, it's where we have fun. Show. Now it's fun. I'm sure time. you guys have never heard that one before. Uh, I was listening to Brian Windhorse and the Pips yesterday on the plane ride over here. <laughs> and Brian Windhorse and the Pips. Oh, the yes. The new um, yes. podcast. Yes. Um, Wait, he has and- a podcast? <laughs> and my man, my man Bontemps said the last two years he felt like Kemba Walker was every bit as good, if not better, than Kyrie Irving. And Fredell gave him all kinds of shit. Like, are you kidding me? Blah, 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 blah. And and uh Bontemps was just like, no, like just watch the games. Look at what he does. Like, this guy's as effective as anybody, including Kyrie. And you know, it was beautiful to watch that last uh, night. Yeah, that's stupid. He has not been every bit as good as Kyrie Irving. Wait a minute. He's been, he's been really he good. Emba has he been has really been. good. No. What about Gordon Hayward? What, go, yeah. Yeah. He's been as good as Gordon Hayward four and a half minutes last year. Um, Check out the latest big number dropping tomorrow featuring Gordon Hayward. Oh. It's a big number. The number of teams he'll end up playing for after he gets traded. Oh, no. <laughs> It's not pretty like so last night we we all sit into our seats at the Hornets game and I had just written up the script for the big number which was basically claiming like they should probably remove him from the starting lineup he's been really bad um and try to build up his confidence and I wrote wrote the script sit down I asked Brad Stevens like hey what do you like from the starting lineup what do you want more of and he gives like a very boilerplate answer of just like no, no alarm bells went off no like uh, by the way, we're gonna we are gonna make a change tonight. He didn't say he was gonna make a change. We sit down, we get the little sheet of paper that says the starting lineups, and Gordon Hayward's name was on the starting lineup page. And then the the tweets started coming out, and it seemed like a very last minute 
change to remove Gordon Hayward from the starting lineup. And nothing that Brad Stevens does, I feel like is, uh, uh, hastily done or something last minute, but it seemed a little odd. It seemed a little odd to just do it that way. Um, and the Celtics offense still wasn't very good. Um, Gordon Hayward wasn't a different player coming off the bench and down the stretch defensively, they could not hang with Kemba Walker. He was hitting some amazing shots, but it was very obvious that the Celtics have some issues and the Hornets finally won. They were two and 19 in three point games over the last three seasons, two and 19 and Kemba just lit them up. So finally got a clutch performance out of a New York guy. It's crazy. (laughs) So, um, over the last three (laughs) seasons, (laughs) let's see over the last, uh, you know what? Kemba over the last three seasons, win shares, just, just to throw it out here. Kyrie Irving, 20.2. Kemba Walker, 19.2. Didn't Kyrie miss a bunch of time? He missed like 20 games. But if you're going to argue that he's been better, shouldn't we give Kemba credit for being there every game? Sure, absolutely, yeah. But, I mean, we're talking – yeah, I mean, the health obviously factors into it. But if we're talking like pure player on the court and who's been better, Kyrie's absolutely been better. It's not a yeah, knock I think, on Kyrie, I, think, I think Kyrie got to play with LeBron James, though. Right. Sure. That yeah. isn't always such a good thing. In the, in the 16 For Kyrie, it is. Maybe. Uh, Kemba's, Kemba had, uh, was 3.9 in Vorp, and Kyrie Irving was 2.9. That was the close. last season with LeBron. I mean, they're, they're very close the last few years. I just pulled it up on basketball reference. They are extremely close in value on the court. Tom, yes. if you ask Kemba why he's taking so many more threes finally when you're shooting that well for so long, why wouldn't you yeah. take you know, as many as possible? Taking over 10 a game now. Yeah, I mean, I think a new coach, uh, Cliff, Cliff was weird. Like in, in Charlotte, he, the, uh, the year they went to the playoffs with Josh McRoberts, McBob, and in the, in the lineup, um, they were one of the top three-point shooting teams. And so for whatever reason, I think they didn't do that anymore. They didn't let um, the, everybody shoot threes. And they ranked, I think, in the bottom 10 in three-point rate last year. But I think Kemba is following the Steph Curry script of just like, yeah. hey, if you're that efficient, um, what's the downside? You know, they don't have another option. Whereas Steph Curry, you can argue that Steph Curry shouldn't be taking 15, three pointers a game because they have Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson on no. the team. They have a no, that's a bad you argument. cannot argue that. Yeah, you cannot argue you that can. he's the greatest shooter of all time. No, you can argue that it's just stupid. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> like the whole, uh, um, good to great pass. Like the idea of like Steph Curry has other alternatives out there that would make that shot be less of a great option, but still a good option. Kemba Walker shooting a three pointer is very much the best shot and the second best shot and the third best shot for this Charlotte Hornets offense. But like Nick Batum is their second best creator. And uh, no, that's not a good shot from him. Yeah. You could argue he, he's, he's taken 10.4 now. He, he's done uh, in the last few years, 6.03 a game, 7.6, 7.5 this year, 10.4. He probably needs to get to 13 or 14. I mean, literally, that's what they should be talking about is how do we get this cat three, four more threes a game? Yeah, and they're doing it. And he's he's been awesome. And he's so like when Kyrie hugged him after the game, like Kyrie towered over him. Like he's one of those guys that oh, is yeah, listed super probably small. at like yes. six really? feet, but he's actually like five eight. Like wow. he is, he's tiny. He's listed at six one. My yeah, ass, no six way. one. No way. Um, he'll see six one. 
<laughs> he used the, uh, they use the same measuring stick that they use for Colin Sexton. Right. This like, is how the, the wizard, Tom, this is how, the, this is how bad the Hornet situation is. Jeremy Lamb is second on the, on the team in field goal attempts. That's crazy. Jeremy Lamb. That's crazy. He's not well, even they, good. They've got a terrible, terrible cap situation. They've got Biombo. They've got Zeller. They've got uh, Batum. Those guys are making somewhere around fifty-three million. This is just off the top of my head, like fifty-three million combined, uh, and that goes into next year. Because um, I, I do believe Biombo will take that seventeen million dollar player option. I mean, I know that's kind of a hot take, but uh, yeah, I think, their, their I mean, cap situation I, sucks. I think someone should pay. Kemba, I think someone should pay him. I don't think Charlotte should. I think Charlotte needs to reset. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they're just they're just wasting him at this point. They're not going to get him help, and tying up thirty five million dollars a year in him is going to end up being a bad move for them, just because they're never going to have that flexibility. Like you can say, like, well, at some point the contracts will expire, and then they can build. Around. They're not going to do that. Like it's a bad situation. So I actually think it, it sucks for them. They have the all-star game this year because it prevents them from trading him and it prevents them from getting value from him. And then they're just going to pay him and they're going to waste it. And it's going to end up being, Oh, Kemba never won anything. He paid him all this money and he's supposed to be so good. He never won anything when actually he is good and he should have won stuff except Jeremy Lamb's taking the second most shots on his team. Yeah. If this was a team like Memphis where, you know, where uh, you had a Marcus Saul, right? Yeah, or Mike Conley's contract is coming up and they're winning 52, 53 games every year. And it's like, yeah, why not? Let's let's keep doing this. This team is not doing that. <laughs> you know, like the, the their Mark Gasol is Nicola Batum and Ben Smack Biombo shouts to um Jesus Nice. Uh it like that that's their their core right there. It, Marvin Williams, God bless him, I like him, but these these guys aren't doing anything. Yeah, these are nice players, right? Like nice role players, but not like second, third, fourth bananas. Right. Is there any talk of trying to get Wall a Carolina kid? So that is um interesting. Um, and also he, a great transition into this Wizards debacle. Yeah, uh, I don't. I really don't see the Wizards trading him this season. Maybe on July second, when the twenty-one million dollar trade kicker comes off the books. And for those who don't know, the the Wizards have a trade kicker that they would have to pay fifteen uh, percent of the remaining contract on John Wall's uh, ledger. And that evaporates because of a weird CBA quirk that evaporates at the end of this season. So they don't really have much incentive beyond the dis- just tire fire that's going on right now in DC. I'm talking about basketball. Um, that this is, I don't think they need to move him or can't or should move him given that they have to cough up $21 million to make so it happen. And they're so, not moving Beal. That so would be wait. Yo, You don't think they'll move Beal? I, they would have to be overwhelmed. I mean, he's so good. I can't imagine. He's got two years left on his deal after this one. Blow he's 25 years up. old. Uh, Blow it up. What are you doing? This team I, sucks too. Oh, hold I up. <laughs> if I don't want to pay, if I don't want to pay Campbell Walker going forward, why the hell do I want to pay John Wall? Just because no, I agree from with North that. Carolina? No, I agree with that. <laughs> like, why would I do that? This is no. dumb team. Yeah. Dumb teams do dumb things. That's right. fair. That's true. That's fair. Yeah. Um, you, you can you can find a plate. You can the, the Wizards if they wanted to try to break up Beal Wall. There's you know 25 teams that are talking about Beal, maybe 26. Right. Uh, here's the bigger question. Maybe, maybe this will be on a big number. How many GMs in the history of any sport in the fucking world have kept their job 
when it's reported that everyone's available for trade in November? Like, how do you keep your job when that's the case? You're supposed to build. How? Well, it's uh, it's been since 2003 since he's had a job. The Grunts, man. They've never had this where anyone's available. Come give us a call like they're a flea market. Billy King is so jealous right now, man. Oh, Billy King rolling over in his grave. You kidding me? (laughs) This um, it's not a great situation. I I do think that the guy that I think will get moved or has the highest chance of getting moved is Otto Porter. Oh, for sure. I think uh, Utah is an interesting place with Derek Favors. Um, I like him a lot. Utah likes Otto Porter a lot, yeah. Then there's also New Orleans, I think, might do the deal. I don't know if the the what salaries will match up or what the deal looks like, but I think Otto Porter is the guy who's going to get moved. I don't think it's going to be Wall or Beal in the near term. Wall may, might this summer. When that when that trade paper yeah. expires, that yeah. might happen. But I think right now, I think both Bradley Beal and John Wall are going to stay. Um, and I think Otto Porter is probably the one that gets gets moved. Otto's agent has been trying to get him traded for a year. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, yeah, for There's sure. There's a lot of unhappy gone. people there. Yeah. Um, we still have to pretend that he's good or well, I don't know what we're doing. I, about Porter. Otto is good. He he's was a good, good last player. year. Yeah. He's a good player. It, it, it's about, it's about how he's used there and how, you know, he's ignored by John wall. I mean, he's oh. not a guy that can go out and get you a bucket on his own necessarily, but right. So he's know, Nick Batum. Uh, I think he's better than Nick. Oh, well, <laughs> oh, I'm curious. I don't, think they're, no. I, I I don't mean, think they're remotely the if same. If he was making, player. if he was making 18 million and not 25 million, yeah, but he's you'd not. have a different opinion about it. But yeah, but I would, but he's not. It was a better, timing. He's got a better agent than that. Yeah, well, yeah, he does have a great agent. Uh, same agent as Michael Jordan, by the way. Oh, how about that? Just uh, you know, swap him, Batum for, for Porter right now. Mike should uh, probably like, fire that for, dude. <laughs> what are the Celtics going to do with Jalen Brown? They got to figure it out. Last last night, Brad Stevens did say that he was going to continue tweaking the lineup. Um, And last night they they brought Gordon Hayward off the bench, um, which seems like a uh, on the totem pole of priorities is that they wanted to get Jalen Brown going. Um, but I could the see top of the totem pole or the bottom of the totem. Pole? <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. Um, he played 19 can minutes. We please not do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Man, remember, the, remember the tweet got, I had last year about in the playoffs? Um, I think we talked about on one of our shows about, um, they got to at least consider trading Kyrie and or Hayward and give oxygen to these young guys because there's gonna be a huge mess if they all are back. And everyone, every Boston fan alive threatened to you know, blow my house up. This is, yes. this is the point of that tweet. This is it. This yeah. is it. That offensive rating, um, you might ch- want to check out the big number tomorrow on NBC Sports. Uh, that <laughs> offensive rating for that starting lineup, 91. Yeah. Oh, my God. The, uh, that's Bobcats. Um, that's Bobcats 9 and, nine and um, 50, whatever they lost yeah. that, that one season. Level. 9 and 57. Offense. Oh no, they were seven in. Weren't they? They won seven games, right? Oh, they won. Six. Yeah, they were like seven and fifty nine. Fifty nine. Yeah. <laughs> Jalen um, Brown averaged twenty a game against the Cavs in a seven game series. He was twenty one years old. He's not playing against. He's not playing against the Cavs defense anymore. No, that's true. Yeah. He's not. But yeah, he that's true. Fifteen and eighteen in the yeah. Cavs. No, he, eighteen against the Bucks. No, he's definitely better. Than, he's definitely better than this. Yeah, Al Horford shooting twenty nine percent from three. Jalen Brown twenty seven percent. Gordon Hayward twenty eight percent. Marcus Smart, which we expect, 30%. 
Terry Rozier's down to thirty four percent. Like, man, and that's part of the issue is just the the when there's not enough boxing for everyone, they all suffocate. Well, so here's the here's the thing that I keep hearing Celtic supporters saying is like, well, we're generating the most open shots and we're just not knocking them down. It's like maybe they're open for a reason. Yeah, exactly. It, they're they're open shots, but they're not getting to the rim enough, and they're not getting to the free throw line enough. And that's been a problem with this offense. I mean, this is, you know, I I, I haven't just been railing on it for the last month. This was stuff that was going on last year. It's not just missing open shots. And there's I, and there's I a hate, lot more to and it. I'm I'm glad you said that, Dave. And I hate to keep beating this drum, but this you love you love you love this drum. Hold on, this is your favorite percussion. <laughs> The savior, the savior, Jason Tatum, he's not going to get any more explosive. He's not going to get better at getting to the line, getting to the racks, finishing at the rack. Like, all he's going to get better at are the things that he's already really good why, at. Why would you the, say that, though? The skill what stuff. What do you mean what makes me say that? He's like, he's going to get more explosive as he yeah, gets drum, older? Sure. Drumstick. He's a baby. And he'll get better again in the free throw line. Look at DeMar DeRozan's career. You can get better at those things. I'm not yeah, but DeMar DeRozan had a baseline level of athleticism that I don't think uh, Jason Tatum possesses, right? Like DeRozan was just athleticism and he sharpened his skills. Jason Tatum comes in with all the skill stuff and he doesn't have that level of athleticism. So I'm like, eh, eh. What am, like what's he gonna get better at? Is what I'm saying. Like, what do we think he's gonna get? He's dramatically better at. And he's right in line with with his free throw attempts from last year. By the way, not not much growth there at all. It's hard to grow when you have no oxygen. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know how good he's gonna get. He can't get good with all those guys around him. Yeah, I I'm think on this. I think it's crazy to think he's not going to be able to get. I, like, I think looking at someone like him, and you see, I at least I see opinions about Donovan Mitchell in the same way where like, I don't see how he's going to get any better than, than how he is. I'm like, uh, nah, Donovan Mitchell's explosive stupid. though. Athletically he's explosive, but he's much smaller. Like in, in terms yeah, of Tatum's fair. position, right. For Tatum's position, his, his size, I think he's very explosive. I think he's got very quick feet. I think he's, I think he's figuring out how to, I think teams are game planning for him a lot more and he hasn't figured out how to counter that yet. That's where I think his issue is. And I think it's, Forcing him, not forcing him. I think he is deciding to to take the easy way out at times and take the the you know I know I can get this shot off, so I'm going to get this shot off instead yeah, of creating yeah, the best. They're shot. thinking they're thinking selfishly uh, because they want to go get that max deal after what they went through last year. Those young cats want to want to get paid. They want to be stars. Oh, I thought, I thought, I thought, coach, I thought it was that they don't know when Kyrie's going to pass in the ball again. So they just decide I got to get the shot up. Literally part of it. Yeah. That's the whole point is they already have a, a very ball centric point guard to begin with. You could survive. The other players have survived around Kyrie, mostly LeBron uh, in that. But when you factor in all the other guys want to get their shots too, there's just, you know, the old saying, I never really believed when, when Wade and LeBron were together, well, there's not enough balls. There's plenty of balls for two guards and a, and a big guy in Bosch. But on this team, there's not enough. They, yeah, they, but Coach, they I have a question, though. Too many guys. Gordon's struggling with his jump shot, but he's their best playmaker. Like, if their offense is going to turn around, who's going to be the one to do it? <laughs> like, it's not going to be Kyrie. He doesn't like passing. He doesn't think, like doing stuff for others. He's shown I, that I over and over again. I, I think it's their system. I think it's their system. I mean, so I'm looking at the stats and they're, uh, they're 29th in the league in free throw attempts, despite, you know, having this high end talent. And again, I'm going to go, I'm going to go right back to the system 
They're not getting to the basket enough. And, and that's, I mean, we, we saw it week one, they, right. they weren't moving the ball in week one. It was, it was, it looked like it was the playoffs, which was pretty ISO based because at that point you kind of broken down what you can when you're playing teams, you know, every other night, but normally during the season, things are much more fluid, uh, especially for a Brad Stevens team. And I just, I mean, I'm not a Celtics fan, but I, I have friends that are, and they were complaining about it right away. Well, this is Isaiah Thomas used to get to the line. Uh, yes, he did. He got to the basket. So this team is actually a jump shooting team. Like when, when people think that the Warriors are a jump shooting team, they're wrong because they actually get to the rim. Um, but the truth is this is the jump shooting team and this is what it can look like. If you're not hitting those shots, you got to have a diverse offense. You got to be able to get to the basket and drawing fouls is super important, not just for the free throws, but also for the pressure you're putting on the defense, you know, yeah. got, getting guys in foul trouble causes them to defend differently. Like we've seen it. Uh, did, I, did Tom write about that at one point? You might want to check out the big number produced by Jake Hoy. <laughs> I'm Tom Haverstrow and you're watching you the big number. You sued over the big number yet? I'm surprised. I'm working um, on it right now, Tom. Look, if you watch Gordon Hayward play, he is not the same guy at Utah. No, we're close. Well, this is what he this is, what is so afraid of the paint right now. Yeah. It is, he can't. I get it was that he is the the main distributor and the main facilitator for that team, but they have no reason to shade off of shooters right now with Gordon Hayward. If Gordon Hayward is turning the corner on a pick and roll, you can just stay on your shooter. He's not. That's right. Not, he's not turning the corner. He's he's just fading away. He's so fading out to the side. So speaking of fear. Uh, just on the same subject, you guys follow this team probably close than I do. But do you think when the Sixers announced that um, Markel Fultz is seeing a shoulder specialist, that's like the millennial version of the word psychologist? Yeah, the guy's rubbing his shoulder as he tells him everything's going to be okay. Listen, yeah. I, I, I stand by what, I, uh, what I've speculated the last couple of weeks. I do think that there's an issue with the shoulder. Yeah, there very well could be, but no one talked about it before. His his free throw and jumper, he had one weird free throw, to my knowledge. His jumper is totally fine. His threes looked fluid in terms of mechanic mechanics of it. it it's it's not a comfortable looking shot, but the fluidity was okay. I thought anyway. I think yeah, it's something I, between his ears. I think he needs to get out of Philly. Yep. Did you guys see that? Well, he, that'll be happening soon enough. Some doctor did about. His I did shooting. not. What did he say? It's like a psychological reaction to having had extreme pain in that yeah, motion. And so what he was doing the other day what, by, you know, tossing the ball to each hand was breaking that like. Circuit, short that circuiting that. Yeah. 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 Fascinating, I thought. Well, that was where I said if he just takes out the dr whole dribble routine from the free throw line and shoots like Clay Thompson used to, where essentially it's a catch and shoot from the referee, he probably could accomplish the same thing and actually get a better shot up. Um, but I know that's, that's weird. Cause a lot of guys, they, they get to the line they got to touch the ball. Coach, I want to ask you this. You um, need to go see, uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins shot doctor coach. <laughs> Cause Andrew Wiggins, he just, he just wet. fired. He just fired Andrew Wiggins shot doctor, by the way. Really? Yeah. That's, oh, that's yeah. a Drew Hamlin guy. That's a yeah. Drew Hamlin guy. Hey coach. Andrew Wiggins yeah. is swishing them out. Try to tell you was about this Andrew Wiggins. You guys wrote him off. <laughs> I you guys not. wrote him I off. Did. I never did. I never got off Wiggins. He's ever. sort of playing okay now. Sort of playing okay. He's sort All of right. playing okay. Hey, that's, a, that's a step. <laughs> that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, he's doing okay. He's doing okay. So, uh, hey, Tom, when, Thomas, oh, hold on. I'm not great with numbers. Is 42 percent from three good? 
He's done this before <laughs> early in the season because I'm so, the biggest fan. I just can't remember if he's that's – He's had good starts before, I'm, though. Yeah. I, be, I, I just talk – Tom is like four. I is know that it's what he's 43%. giving up on the perimeter, or is that what he's shooting? Oh lord, that is a large are. numeral. <laughs> can't, just I can't. Curious, just serious. Okay, if, uh, I'll get to right. your question. All right, I want forty-two. So speaking of trainers, off-season trainers. Um, so I saw Whiteside. You should check where that would rank all time if he was a forty-two percent shooter. For his uh, he's at forty uh, percent, by the way. Oh, he's down. Oh, sorry, he's down forty percent after. 40, 40 points. All right, I'll check where I'll check where forty point three percent would be for career. Fake, um, fake news. Um, okay. So, oh, it would only it would only be 29th. or it only be thirtieth between these two shitty shooters, Dale Ellis and Jeff Hornacek. It would only be that all time. So, I don't know. Those, those guys couldn't shoot at all. We done. Not in the slightest. <laughs> Good old filibuster. So Hassan Whiteside's uh, trainer uh, this past summer talked to him about his free throw uh, shooting stroke, which is kind of weird. He jumps. He jumps at the free throw line, a kind of actually a foot uh, foot behind the line. And it got me thinking, why don't we see this more is you know, standing on your tippy toes and shooting is is not simulating a real game action. Do you think more players should try to do like emulate a real game like jump shot versus oh. trying to keep the, uh, the the entire form as steady as possible by not jumping? No, because Michael Kidd Gilchrist did this in summer league one year, and the entire gym laughed at him. Yeah, because it was Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and it's yeah. not about the jumping. It's vanity. I, it's yeah, vanity. I would, well, Kid I would. Chris had other problems. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, I mean, and coach, you can jump in here. Uh, the the less stuff you have going on, the more repeatable it is, and That's so great. not jumping on a free throw is good. This is why, like Steph Curry, he doesn't jump very high on his threes, and that's why it's it's so easily repeatable. And then you look Probably at a guy like jump at all. Right. You look at a guy like uh, Russell Westbrook and he jumps a lot, which I think is part of the reason why he struggles to to be consistent with threes. And, and like I said, coach, uh, your opinion would be would yeah. be awesome. No, I, I mean, I would have said something very similar. You know, the, the, the magical thing about the free throw is it's literally impossible for someone to block it legally. So if that was the case on almost any shot, why would you want any extraneous movement? This is the one time you don't need to have any extraneous movement. And that means you want what I call quiet legs. Uh, when I first trained, when I first worked with Courtney Lee coming out of college, I actually worked with him his whole senior year just on the phone because we, we had a mutual friend that I had trained uh, that wanted me to help his buddy Courtney. And, uh, and I had no idea Courtney was going to be a first round pick or not, but I thought he had a chance. And he came and trained with us and he jumped 40 inches on his three. It was ridiculous with 35 inches as high as he could. And I just said, Courtney, if you have to sh- jump that high to get a three off, it's a terrible shot. Because he's that means you're be, guarded. He's be exhausted. Yeah. And that's he's the thing. He, he wasn't going to win a shooting contest. Well, try doing it in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So, uh, but you're going to miss them anyway. You want to be in the fourth quarter. <laughs> right, right. So um, we got him to really quiet his legs. And that's what you want. So on a free throw, I, I would say this. I, I, obviously, what, what Dave said, what I'm saying is, is the same. It, I, I'm, I'm unafraid to try anything to get a guy to start making shots if he's not making them. I, I don't care if it's the other hand. If it's jumping, um, many years ago, I think I've told this to Tom before, Martel Webster was really struggling to make threes, even though he had just perfect form. And I had him work on like 26, 27-foot threes in front of the rim, banking it in. 
just trying to loosen them up. Don't be so, don't aim it so perfectly. You know, a golfer that tries to really focus on, on those, on, on hitting the ball right down the fairway, he's going to slice it every time. His muscles are too tense. You got to, you got to let your, your muscles just do what they're supposed to do. And that means that's called trust, right? You trust in your stroke. And so uh, sometimes you got to do something weird to get the trust going and then you can kind of manipulate it from there. But uh, white side being that tall, and by the way, the, the, the inch, the foot behind the line is not something I would ever want to do. But again, in the spirit of just trying something different, uh, as we've seen from the three-point line, guys are shooting about the same from 26 feet and 23 feet. So it really is the same thing from the free throw line. I don't think it's smart to do it, but I'm not against it if, we, if it's just a way to, to get in the guy's head. If he's always long and it's the placebo effect, if you think it works, even though we know scientifically it right. shouldn't, go ahead and do it. Um, yeah, I think in terms of just – guys adding a jump at the free throw oh, line. I'm so glad you didn't just do a Wiggins thing just now. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, to, actually, Tom, I have another number to run by you real quick, but I'll, but I want to get this point off first is, um, is it is, an inflated number? Like the one you cited earlier? No, it's, the 42? No, it's a, oh yeah. I was way off. Jesus, I was way off. It's only a 40% shoot. Yeah. Only Dale Ellis, you know, you know, he, he, he couldn't shoot at all. Um, but with the free throw stuff, it's such a quiet motion. If you do it properly, like the free throw really is like, and I don't want to say like, I can't believe these guys don't make the free throws. There are a lot of factors that go into it. So I, right. I, like I get that, the mental aspect of all that stuff. But, um, but in terms of adding motion to your free throw, like to me, it doesn't make sense because the, the easiest way, at least, at least in my experience, like as a free throw shooter, like the easiest way is just the, it's just a simple, it's just the simplest little task. And the, the I think most, that's how that's how it has to be approached. It's not like shit. I have to shoot a free throw now. I usually miss these. Like I, you know, like it's just it's becoming a completely blank mind, and it's just a it's just an arm action as opposed to a full body action. Right. I had a I had a shooter who was a really bad thumber, but only at the free throw line. So I just took out the guide hand. Again, oh, there's I, no. I thought you were no, gonna say he that's what Shaq should have done. Right. Shaq's hands were too big. He should have just tried with one hand. Um, yeah. So, you know, I just had him had him shoot with one hand and it worked. Now, uh, she did this thing where she would actually put her her offhand behind her back as a show, which I thought was funny. But I mean, it, it's sometimes it's just little simple things. It's not I mean, it should be as uncomplicated as possible. And if something's complicating it. The free throw line is the one place where you can take it out. Except your Hassan White sign where complication is part of the deal. <laughs> It's true. Well, and I think for a lot of guys, get that 2K rating up, coach. Don't do that with easy shots. I'll ask my son about that. (laughs) I don't play it. He's a dead eye shooter with that new rifle. Um, so I think. Oh boy. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? It was. It's all over the news that he got his rifle stolen. What an idiot! I didn't know that. That's a very Florida headline. Rifle that dollar. Yeah, it was like a salt rifle. I don't know how, like, what, what is this rifle he bought for $50,000? Are we sure he didn't buy a tank? Yeah. Um, because uh, the, is that a heat joke? Um, Tom, so, uh, Tom, just, just real quick on, uh, on wide open three point or um, open three pointers, Andrew Wiggins shooting 45.5%. So let me check where that would be all time. It would be just ahead of, of this guy named Steve Kerr, who it looks like he's at the top of the leaderboard. But that can't be right because that's got to be a horrible number. You keep going. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even know where just, I was I'm going. Not, just talking about Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside uh, rifle. Oh, oh, oh! For some guys, the 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 activity actually calms them. Is like almost like 
yeah. by having more motion, you're not oh, thinking that. about things. I so yeah. I think the jump shot, even though there's more, uh, limbs moving and you're jumping, like, I feel like sometimes that does short circuit the anxiety that you might get at the free throw line. Um, well, that's you want to make a point to shoot. Yeah, yeah the same idea. I did yeah. a story a couple of years ago about big hands at the free throw line, and I did a study looking at all of Draft Express's hand sizes and matching it up with free throw percentage, and there was no correlation between the length of your hands and your free throw percentage. In fact, there are plenty of examples of guys with gargantuan hands that actually shot really, really well. Case in point, a guy Dr. named J. Kawhi Leonard. Dr. Kawhi J. Leonard. Yeah. Um, Yao Ming also Kobe. had Kobe. Kobe had big hands. Yes. Jordan. So this idea yeah, that Jordan monster hands really correlated and it's harder for guys with huge hands to shoot free throws. Maybe for some guys for Shaq, maybe, but yeah. on the whole, you would also see the opposite to be true. Wouldn't it be also true that if you have smaller hands that you would be a better free throw shooter? We do not see that in any of the actual empirical analysis that hand size has anything to do with your free throw percentage. No, you have to, you have to use your eyes and, and you can see guys whose hands are just in the way. Like, I don't remember Shaq's shot as much as I used to, but he, his, he used to block his own shot with his left hand. Like it was just so awful. <laughs> hey, coach, he was a very dedicated defender as a young player. So I get it. Like he's, who, who he's always Shaq. He was just always blocking shots, whether it was his own, whether it was <laughs> the opponent. You know, you just couldn't turn the defense off with him. He couldn't. You're right. Shaq yeah. also, he also was working with a shooting coach that was telling him he could only shoot off the pads of his fingers, essentially. And, you know, like we now know, I mean, Steph Curry uses his whole palm, right? Like there's no necessarily no one way right? to do anything. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that Shaq is a guy who could have used the extra runway that his giant hand provided to, to give him a more, you know, true uh, straight shot um, at the basket. You, you guys... I, I may have told this to Tom or Henry years ago. You must know my story of before game five Mavericks uh, uh, heat the first go around when when Dwayne lived on the free throw line. This was before LeBron got there. Do you guys know this? When I was shooting with a player um, before game five at night, night before the game and Shaq was in there. This will tell you all you need to know about Shaq's free throw problems. Cue the harp. Cue the harp, Jade. Go ahead. He... Uh, <laughs> So I was in there shooting with UD before the game. He had dealing with some shoulder injuries, whatever, and we were, he recovered from it and wanted to just do one, one extra session. And, he, and I was on vacation in Naples, and he said, please come down, and I'll let you come to the game. Before I was at ESPN, so I'm like, you know what? I, I don't like getting tickets from anyone. It's one reason why I actually took my first job at ESPN to get free tickets. I hated asking that for anyone. But I thought, I'd never do an NBA Finals game. That would be cool. So I went in, I drove to Miami, and uh, in the gym was, uh, <laughs> was Shaq and – I think they said it was marketing guy and Shaq was wearing white beaters and sweats. And I swear to you guys, it was about an hour or so we were shooting. All he did the entire time was take 15 foot baseline jumpers. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I was a great shot for him. This is game five. Get on the fucking free throw line, Shaq. Uh, but the cool thing is that was uncool to me. I was pissed off. Actually, he's just a goofy guy that way. But after the game, you know, we talked a little bit and he said to Udonis, what are you doing after the game? What are you doing after the workout? I mean, and he's like, I'm gonna go home and watch the fight. It was some big fight. And Shaq said, good, uh, because I think he said Stack and Jet just called. I think it was Stack and Jet, Stackhouse and Jet and Jersey and Terry. And they're out and they wanted to come meet him. And it was a great lesson for me because I'd only just started to work with players. Maybe, maybe that was my fifth year or so with guys. And I'm still kind of learning that it really is a fraternity. And in many ways, 
And uh, Shaq's like, go home and get your, get your rest, young fella. You know, we're not going out tonight. And I don't, I don't remember the story of how those guys played, but I heard the Mavericks guys were out really late in South Beach the night before game five. Of course, they get slept all day. But I just remember shooting those 15-footers thinking, good Lord, you guys may lose the game in the series because you can't make a damn free throw and you're shooting 15-foot baseline jumpers. But it's Shaq. He does what he wants to do. He's the king. He is. And, you know, everyone knows young Udonis Haslam, you know, young Udonis Haslam, such a kid out there. Uh, yeah, was 16th He's, year now. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So Shaq, for a lot of guys, though, coach, I don't think shooting more free throws helps. No, you got to shoot 20, 30, 50, 70 quality ones. That's all. Depends yeah. on the person. You got to shoot 200. But he shot zero. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Like I don't and he shot a shot that he would never shoot in a game ever. Because I feel like for DeAndre Jordan, everyone is yelling in his ear, shoot more free throws, practice more. But oftentimes that exacerbates the issue where it's like you're not practicing in a loud gym on national TV. Exactly. So it's hard to emulate the feeling you get when you're in the actual game. It's quality over quantity. I've said that, including now with my own son, quality over quantity. I'm not a guy that you got to come make 500 a day for me. I don't do it that way at all. I'd much rather have intense quality with variations. We don't shoot, yeah. like I don't shoot spots. My, my assistants will shoot spots with the guys because they like it, but I hate it. It's just not at all realistic. And every free throw should be one and a step off the line, one step off the line like it is in a game. I don't let them stay on the line. I also try to only do free throws when you're, when you've already got a sweat going because I want you breathing heavy. I want, you know, your heart racing, uh, try to emulate the in-game action as much as possible. Yeah, like going into an empty gym, cold and just shooting free throws. Just right. It's nowhere yeah. close. Right. So we have two avenues. We can go here, guys. We yeah. have more fuckery from the wizards or we have more <laughs> fuckery from the Celtics, which where we, where do we want to go? Why, why not fuckery from the warriors? Uh, cause that's not real fuckery. They're fine. We just named three NBC Sports Regionals. (laughs) (laughs) That's synergy. Oh, wait, wait. The Kings. Yes. Kings are in there, too. Oh, yeah. We got the Kings. We're we're talking all all NBC all the time. Watch The Good Place. Actually, do watch The Good Place. I love The Good Place. It's a really good show. Um, All right. uh, So, an anonymous Wizards player on John Wall. We love Scott Brooks. Love playing for him. He just can't coach John. John walks, or John just walks all over him, and it frustrates everybody. The way he plays is impossible to play with. We have so many guns, not enough bullets, which is funny because of the former team name, bullets. Um, Or is it not funny for another funny reason for the locker room situation there? No, okay. Um, Or we have this Terry Rozier thing, where he apparently sent a tweet out saying, "Let's do us all, all being in all caps, a favor. Let's do us all a favor." And then later had to clarify. I forgot y'all get happy feet. I wasn't talking about me. Face palm emoji. Chill with the bad talk. Crying face emoji. Well, what was he talking about? That's a great question. Well, that's what we're all asking, right? I saw the yeah. tweet. Like, what the hell does that mean? Scary Terry. Scaring everyone in Boston. Scaring, scaring hey, Celtics when he has the ball. That that um anonymous Wizards player? Yeah. Was that was that Stephen A. Smith? <laughs> Stay off. It might have been the Stephen weed. A. Because he started out very Stephen A. Like, we love Scott Brooks. Love him as a player. That was from love the Stephen A. Coach. Smith show. <laughs> so what was it Stephen A. reporting that? That would be amazing. Yes, it was. Oh, my really? God. Really? That, yes. That's incredible, Tom. We love Scott. Can I, can I read the quote in a Stephen A. voice? Okay. Uh, well, hold on. 
Waz, we're going to need some clarification here. Is Waz He's not here? on anymore. So. Okay. All right. Well, this is going to be. <laughs> you know, you know, I love Scott Brooks. Problematic. Love playing for him. Love playing for him. But this guy, he can't coach John Wall. John just walks all over him and it frustrates everybody. <laughs> the way he plays is impossible to play with. We have so many guns, no bullets. Love John Wall. Love Scott Brooks. But this has to change. How about that? How about that? Oh my God. There's well a little done. Mark there's a little Mark Jackson-y too. <laughs> hand down, oh. man down. Um, yeah, so like when it started out, that quote started out with like Love John Wall, love Scott Brooks, great thing. I was like, that is a Stephen A, right out of the Stephen A playbook. Yeah. He's about to trash this guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know what they do in, in Wizards Land. I don't know what they do. I mean, if they had like a, if they had a Mike Brown as the top assistant coach, I'd, th- I'd say maybe they make a switch and try something else, but they don't really have that. They don't have like the associate head coach who can step in, who's been a in the league and been a head coach for like five years, like uh, Drew in in Cleveland. Like I just don't, I don't see it. They're screwed either way until they change top. To so top he, guy. yeah, that's that's true. Here's my question about the whole Scott Brooks thing. Uh, Scott Brooks had this great reputation. Oh, he develops the Thunder guys. Look at this. Look at this. Right. Oh, development coach. Development coach. Um, except. It wasn't so much him as it was a lot of the assistants he had under him, which was great, but he didn't take those assistants with him. They got jobs elsewhere. So if if Scott Brooks doesn't seem to have a handle on staggering minutes, which has been a criticism, if his rotations and lineups are uh, <coughs> are scrutinized, which can be overly scrutinized, but that's still a knock. If the offense is apparently a basic offense and not something that's a smart attack and he's not developing players and he's not managing egos and he's not managing egos. What is he doing? Like, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shit on Scott Brooks here. I don't think he's a good fit for this job. I think he could be a good fit in other places, but for this particular job, it didn't make a ton of sense to me that he was going to take over this wizards team. And that was before we knew that how much internal strife they had amongst all these players. Like they, they haven't, apparently they haven't liked playing with each other for a long time. Seven years. Yeah. Seven years according to Brad bill. Um, and I can see that (laughs) this is probably more of a John wall issue than a everybody issue or a coaching issue or, or anything like that. But like, like coach said at the top, you have, you have this problem that hasn't been fixed and none of the other stuff is going to get fixed until that, until that happens, but that still doesn't mean that John Wall shouldn't be traded or Scott Brooks should be, you know, fired. And I'm not trying to come for Scott Brooks' job. I just there's a lot in the right. situation that doesn't make sense to me. Well, here's what I will say: um, the the Wizards have not really been a, the type of team that would fire a coach, not when he's owed 21 million dollars. Right. Right. So Ted's pretty cheap. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, he should be on the hot seat just from a performance standpoint, because ultimately the coach is responsible for these sort of locker room issues. I mean, whether it's his fault or not, you know, he's responsible for whatever happens and then how it, how it transfers to the court. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to get fired though, because of that contract. I think you're probably right. Didn't last year they start playing much better when wall was hurt. Yes. They, remember everybody eats well wait hold on wasn't there a tipping point like it was like the first seven games were amazing yes. and then it kind of fell yes. off right yeah like it was, yeah 
And when he came back, they didn't play any better. And I think this is the frustration. The Wizards, the people in the Wizards front office actually believe that the LeBron leaving was going to leave the door open for them to, they thought that they had a chance to be the best team in the East, that this was their year, that LeBron's gone. Um, who knows what happens with Kawhi and Toronto, but this is their year. They got Dwight Howard, Jeff Green, and Austin Rivers. They added some veterans to the locker room, and this was their chance. They didn't expect nearly this to happen. They were feeling really excited about this season, um, but they keep going back to, hey, when John last year it was, when John Wall gets back, we'll be good. They weren't good. This year, hey, we're going to start the season fresh. John Wall, Brad Beal are healthy. It's going to be good. It wasn't good. So at what point do you just say, we just need to blow it up? Because the expectations obviously are not rational. It's not pragmatic. Well, and you can't fire your coach as, as they were just, I think it was Dave just talking about the money. Um, so yeah, you got to do something if you're not going to make a change at the very top. I'll, I'll tell you something that happened to me in the nineties. I was in Istanbul with a, a coach who coaches like division two. I think it's a college of St. Rose in Albany. And he was best friends with George Carl because it's so many older guys. Well, none of you guys are that old. Do you know that George Carl's first professional job was with the Albany Patroons? And there's a book about it. Do you ever read that book? Did not read it. Oh, it's unbelievable. You so, might have seen a tweet uh, about the book, but um, like CBA, it was a CBA. Uh, uh, he was in the CBA, whatever. And, and so George was coaching Seattle, and they were in the finals against Jordan. And I don't remember if it was two to one or three to one. I don't remember. But um, we're you know we're a long way away from Seattle over in Turkey, and my friend my friend Brian spoke to George. They were, they were really close. And George said something that I've never forgotten that I think is really applicable to John Wall now. He told Brian, you know, confidentially then, now it's a long time ago, it doesn't matter. He said, we'll never win a championship here with Kerry Payton being our best player. And he'll never win a championship if, if he's anyone's best player. And I feel like when I, John Wall is in that position where he's, he's clearly a talented guy. I thought he was the best passing elite athlete at the point guard position I'd seen in a long time. He's a really gifted player, not, a, not much of a shooter. Should be an all-league all defensive player. He's a monstrous guy. Have you ever stood, uh, stood next to him, any of you guys? Joe Wall? Uh, next to, um, yeah, John. I mean, he's not, he's not Kemba Walker. No, no he's, he's like, built he's like, like a middle linebacker. Six, right. Three, six, four. He's big. Like, he's yeah. big, long, strong. This athletic as hell. He should be a monster on defense, and I, he's just never achieved what I think a lot of people. He went number one for a reason, and uh, and maybe it's attitude. I mean, I, I can only guess as to the reasons behind the scenes, but I just think ultimately, that as long as he's their best player, they're never going to win. And maybe if Pop was there or, or some other coach that could really coach him, uh, Scott. I thought Scott did a good job at Oklahoma City in being consistent with the same message: defense, defense, defense. Because those young guys. I don't think they really wanted to care about defense. And for a number of years, he got them to care by just being consistent. But this team needs more than that. Varden reporting that J.R. Yeah. Smith is no longer with the Cavs, just straight up, so he not he's, showing up. He said they're uh, they're actively um, working on a trade with him. He's going to work out in his own time, um, and uh, he recently said that the Cavs are tanking, and he wants out. 
and this is a couple times now he said he wants out. Um, do you think JR can be revived a little bit with a new situation? Because he's been not great the last couple of years. Like I no. think, because I think he was he was a lot more valuable than a lot of people gave him credit for. Because he's been kind of a a joke, right? Like the Knicks days and stuff. It was like, yeah, he's talented, but he's kind of a joke. He's an airhead, whatever. And then he was really good for the Cavaliers for a couple of years, like really, really good, really important. And then after the title, um, you know, some injuries have set in, some. Uh, you know, just wear and tears on his body. And he really, you know, he shot okay last, he shot well last year, um, 37% from from deep. The year before he was 35%, but played pretty good defense. This year, he's only shooting 30% from, from downtown. The defense is not exactly existent, but I also don't think he's engaged at all. So I wonder if a change of scenery and what change of scenery can bring that back out of him. Because I still like, this is going to shock you guys. I believe in J.R. Smith still. <laughs> believe, believe in what way? Believe that he can help a team win a championship. That he can be a rotation wing for yeah for a team winning games. That he can he can help on defense. He can help their shooting for sure. Like I don't think this is the player he is now. I think he's just not engaged because that team is in such a bad situation. I think he just needs to wait till uh, December fifteenth, and things will happen for him and Cockhorver. And he may be Kevin Love. I think all those guys in Cleveland are just waiting for a lot more players to be uh, available in trades and then just wait until then. Like, he's got a couple more weeks. Uh, The biggest problem is his contract. (laughs) That's a lot of money for a guy who might be done. Is it that much money? $15 Yes. Will they buy him out? I'm 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 surprised that we don't see more situations like this where guys do just get bought out rather than trying to make a deal. I mean, it, it's it's clearly not working for them. I don't know that he's got much value. I mean, maybe you can get a I don't know, a top fifty five protected uh, second round pick or something. But I, I don't I don't think J.R. Smith's going to move the needle for anybody. Hey. I'm not a believer. You guys follow the whole league really closely. But, but why why aren't you a believer in Jarrett Smith? Oh. Well, because, I mean, he was bad last year. And Sound he's, well, though. Uh, yeah, but defensively, he was basically – I guess it is Cleveland, so it's hard to and, really judge anything. Yeah. But I, like, think I, don't, I don't think he's – way too he's many pull-up mid-range jumpers for me, for my taste. I mean, I don't know what contender is going to be okay with that stuff. I also if he's think, just a three-point shooter, fine. I also think, like – I think if you put, I don't know how the contracts work. Let's just say he ended up on Houston. He's I think four he million would, guaranteed. I, by the way. I think he would thrive in Houston this year. Just shooting spot ups, basically shooting shooting spot ups, and I think he would defend. Like he's a better Gerald Green. I mean, he's way fucking better than Gerald. Gerald Green sucks. He does suck. Gerald Green is a terrible basketball player for the NBA. There, I don't think he would. I don't think he didn't get signed until late December last season because teams were worried about being too good with him. I'm, I'm he's bad. Yeah, he's bad. Like we can't compare him to J.R. Smith. Even J.R. Smith right now with how he's been this year is better than Gerald Green. Right. But Gerald Green has over 200 minutes this season with the Rockets. He's actually getting run. So that's an upgrade. Yeah. It's like like, if you're looking for an upgrade, J.R. Smith over Gerald Green, very much so. I would I would gladly play pay J.R. 14 million this year than Gerald Green a minimum contract. Like Gerald just can't play. Yeah. So Brandon Knight and a pick for J.R. Smith. That would get it done. Would he even take a pick? Actually, yeah. Probably just the Brandon Knight contract, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe you throw in a second round pick that's mildly protected. 
Top 55? Well, yeah. actually, that Brandon Knight contract is fully guaranteed next season. Oh. Have- All right. Yeah, you're going to need a pick. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that's fully guaranteed. Good agent. Well, the, the Rockets don't care. They, they'll throw you a pick. Three, four. <laughs> yeah. Three, four, apparently. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to think of teams where I think he would help. Like, I think Houston's. I think Houston's a good one. Veterans. He helped Charlotte. Like, just another guy who's willing to shoot. What about Milwaukee? I don't hate that. I think they have enough depth on the wings, but I don't. I don't hate that idea. Um, uh, I mean, again. Denver could use a wing. I don't. They're not going to roll this, the dice on Jared anymore. But like, they could use another wing. Um, I wouldn't mind him on Detroit. Trading oh form is risky, though. That's yeah, tra- yeah. Trading form gets bought out for sure. Um, throw him in Indiana. I wouldn't hate that. Not Miami. I don't think he should be around South Beach. <laughs> How about let's put him on the Wizards. Let's let's really shake let's things just, up. Right, shake oh, it right. up. Change the um, culture. Yes. Yeah, bring Steve, bring Stephen Jackson out of retirement. Oh, yeah. New Orleans also risky for nightlife purposes, but I like that fit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's funny. Like, if he, if he's, let's say he's going to be a thirty-seven percent three-point shooter when he changes teams. Okay, let's just say he goes to a good team and everything breaks right. His willingness to shoot is so valuable. That's why I said Milwaukee because they've got like Brogdon's playing big minutes and and he sometimes is gun shy. They wouldn't have that problem with J.R. Smith. Yeah, I mean, well, they, that's the Philly. thing. Like, every, every, what about people, Philly? People treat J.R. Smith like he's this bad shooter, takes all these bad shots. Like, no, he's a great shooter. Like, yeah, for his career, shoots. he is a phenomenal shooter. He's like career 37% from deep with the, as many attempts as he's had. Like, that's really, really good. Yeah, what about Philly? I wonder if Philly, uh, if he uh, if he got no bought out. What was that? Yeah. I mean, That's God knows they can use, yeah. use depth. Yeah, like I, I just think like I'm not, I'm not saying he should be a starter in this league. I like as a third wing, you know, wing coming off the bench. Like, I just think mm-hmm. he can still be extremely valuable, and, and I do think it's mostly a change of scenery. Now it's possible this malaise from the last two years on the on the Cavs has tainted him, and there's no coming back. I do think it's a possibility, but I just I believe that Jarrah's talents are still are still useful in this league. I don't mean to change the subject, but have you seen the video of Will Collins Stein trying to push Steven Adams? Oh, no. yeah. I watched that game last night. That's so one of the greatest things I've ever seen. So uh, Willie Collins Stein and, and Russ kind of got into it a little bit. And Steven Adams played Peacemaker and just picked up Willie Collins Stein and, and kind of moved him around the basket. And uh, Collins Stein like shoves Steven Adams and Steven Adams doesn't move. And Willie Collins Stein goes about three rows back. It's like, yeah, pushing really against the wall backwards. It's so funny. Yeah. Steven that Adams is, is a bad man. He is a man mountain. Uh, watch, I'm about to watch this right now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty impressive. And then uh, Adams got a tech, which I thought was just ridiculous. I mean, I'm sure it'll We're be not rescinded. getting pushed. No. So, you know, you don't, I guess you don't get any credit for being a peacemaker because he really did. He didn't even make eye contact with Willie Carlstein. Right. He was telling yeah. him it's, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. It's, it's like fine. a robot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm sure that they'll rescind it. At least I hope they do, because isn't that what we want? We don't want altercations. We want right. no matter, no matter oh, what team it is, break it wow. up. He looked like me pushing a wall. Exactly. It's like pushing a wall. Oh my God. And, 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 and Adams was being held back. Like people are wrapping him up and he still was. Yeah. Like a wall. Who, so here, rack your brains around this a little bit. 
Who wins a battle royale steel cage match? Steven Adams or Pekovich? I still gotta go Peck. Peck. Yeah, we all we all think I think I think the arena crumbles in the process, but I gotta go Peck. <laughs> right, right. There were no survivors. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I Those still will I still will not get over the video of Peck throwing a medicine ball like a chest pass, like sixteen rows up into the stands really? just as like a warm up. <laughs> wow. Just that, and this was him like coming back from Achilles, so his legs weren't under him and it, like and just so just like it was like he was throwing a tennis ball. It was actually a cannonball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he is the brute squad. Yeah, I am the brute squad. <laughs> that guy. Those two. Those are those are some strong, powerful men. How many? Like how big of an army? No, no guns. Maybe some knives or swords or whatever. But like, how big of an army does it take to take down the combo of Peck and Stephen Adams? Yeah. Teams. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Troops. Lots of people. Those yeah. guys are Italians. and nimble. It was, you know, Pekovic wasn't fast, but he was nimble. He wasn't fluid, but he was nimble. Adams is agile. Yeah. Adams is like very he, athletic. He's yeah. He really could be Tarzan. It still bothers. Like he me. would be Lord of the jungle. That's yeah. a bad man. It still bothers me. Um, how underutilized he is in OKC. Yeah. And I get it, but I just I think he could do everything Marcus All has done. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. Maybe, maybe not the three point shot, right? That like Marcus All's developed, but everything I think else, he probably like could. Handoffs, the passing, like I just I think, think he he's could too. Crazy skilled. Yeah, I don't see any reason why he couldn't. I mean, he hits that fifteen footer, and it's nice. I don't see any reason why he couldn't step back six feet. What a difference uh, that makes too for for Memphis. They, um, I watched them last few games. Now uh, they're starting to get a little fluidity to their offense. And uh, it's actually kind of nice to watch. Conley is back. Full I'm not a JB fan, but yeah, Conley was unbelievable last night. But Gasol Coach. is really good. Defensively, Gasol is the newest Rudy Gobert. He's just not blocking shots the same. But the way he rallies to the rim, it just closes it off. He's by far the best defensive player I've seen this year. He's going to win another defensive player of the award if it just keeps going the way it's going. Um, Shelton uh, Mack's been really good for them off the bench. Uh, Garrett Temple has been a phenomenal acquisition. Like they just, they, that, that, that roster, I do think they're, I think one injury could, could tank things. Cause I yeah, just, well, I don't no think they're, question. they're that deep, they're that deep, but, um, well, if they stop playing Kyle Anderson to be better. He's been fucking terrible and they're all excited yeah, about it. Yeah. They're all excited about it. But look at his off court on court numbers. They're fucking terrible when he's on the court. I was a little worried at the start of the season with how good Deandre Ayton was because I, all going into the draft, I was like, Jaron Jackson, my favorite big man. He's going to be the best big man from this draft. I fully believe this. And then Aiden was really good early on. At least, you know, he's putting up numbers and everything. And now, like, Jackson is playing more meaningful minutes than Aiden is. And I think he's been phenomenal. He's the best player in the class, guys. He's so he's, good. He's a modern Tim Duncan. If Tim Duncan was born the year Jaron Jackson was born, he'd look like Jaron Jackson. He's, he's so good. Fucking unbelievable. Yeah. I've never met the kid. And by the way, he could play. How about this, Tom? Did you have, I don't know if you had any teammates that were 19 their senior year, but you, you can turn 19 after the school year starts and play high school basketball as a senior. He can play high school basketball. He turned 19 in late September. He, he turned 19 a month ago, like, like a crazy. month ago. Dude, Wendell Carter Jr., same thing. These night, these, like those two guys might be the best Kids players in this class. Who's the, who's the <laughs> other one, Tom? Wendell Carter Jr. in Chicago. Yeah. I've not watched him enough yet. Oh, he's, he's good. Really good like too. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, I need to watch him. He's um, 
I saw this comp and I really, he's Al Horford 2.0. So coach, you, you're, you're going to hate him as a player, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, another guy we talked about with Steven Adams. Um, if he was out of OKC, what he would be like Sabonis this year has been awesome. And coach, we, we were big on him a couple years ago, man. It's been awesome. So good. My only problem is he's kind of small and you see it. I mean, obviously Embiid is, is just really huge, but you see it when he's trying to guard a guy like Embiid. Man. He's just, he's real small. I think he's super good. 20, he's really good, but he's yeah. small. It was 19, nine and nine last night off the bench. Shooting 68 and a half percent from the floor with a jumper. Like yeah. he has a jumper. A good he's got jumper a jumper. He's got a little half hook. He's got some crafty moves. Uh, he's yeah. I was a huge fan of his in the postseason last year. I saw him take a, a layup with his right hand yeah. the other day. That's big. God, Jackson, Jaron Jackson Jr. is completely ambidextrous around the rim. Like, until you see him shoot threes, you think yeah. he's left-handed. And you know what I love about him, or at least in college, it hasn't quite shown yet, but I think he's he's getting there. Is in college, he, he when he was blocking shots, he was blocking them immediately out of the hand of the shooter. Really? Like he wasn't going up and getting like he was essentially stuffing jump shots um, wow. right out of the hand. Like his timing and his yeah, understanding timing. of how to yeah. challenge shots is just spectacular. And you're seeing a little bit at the NBA level, not quite cause he's not as, as physically dominant, you know, just lengthwise right. compared to how he was in college. But um, like, I, uh, I thought he was a better shot blocker than, than Mo Bamba in college. They, and Mo Bamba they, had great they numbers. They drafted an MVP level player that, that Memphis got, I mean, that, that changes that fortune of that franchise hugely, considering Mike and Mark can still play. They've got themselves an unbelievably talented player who's not even playing good yet for what he's going to be able to do. I, I don't even think they're – I don't think they're positive uh, numbered uh, when he's on the court. Like, I think there might be minus one when he's on the court. I haven't looked in a couple of days, but it's going to come. And uh, when, like when he turns 20 um, – yeah, if they can hang on a little bit, that that guy. And I'm not a fan of their franchise or anything, but I'm a fan of him, and I love Michael Mark too. I, I think that he's that special, a crazy special. Uh, and and then they've got a replacement for Mark, built in. Play with him and then play replace after him, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he's a, yeah. He's a great guy. He I he do. carries himself differently than Tim. I, I saw Tim in college. He's more. Tim was much more stoic. Amazing, one of the best oh. teammates I've ever been associated with. I've ever heard regarding people associated with him. I don't know Tim. Jaron Jackson is more affable, but um, God, Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson. I, I was up close watching him at Utah Summer League. Jaron Jackson was talking shit. Yeah, like, he was talking a lot of shit. Like it was fun. Like he just has a fun, really fun personality. Yeah, he's really fun. You see it on the court. He balls, man. He plays. Yeah, he, he's not a stiff at all. He's. He's out, you know, shaking and moving, and he had a coast-to-coast spin bucket uh, last night up with his left hand that you think he's 6'5". I don't even know how tall he is, but I know he's not 6'5". He's like 6'11", 7 feet. 6'11", his wingspan, I think, is like 7'5", 7'6", something like that. Yeah, huge. Right. Um, A a lot of draft people that I I respect, they they thought he he had a chance to be a top-10 defensive player in the league as a rookie. Yeah, like he's just got that. Kind That's of why I say Tim, modern Tim Duncan. His timing, his angle, his understanding of angles, his ability to stop and start is like a like a, a guard. And he's you know he's not a guard. He's very high waisted. Yeah, uh, he he is an extraordinarily gifted guy. The question will be, we know what Pop did with Tim Duncan. 
I don't know what Memphis will do with him. Like, like, like that that does factor in. Atta Tacopo ascended despite having a horrendous coach. That isn't always the case. It, some guys need a better system and culture around them. I don't know what he does. I just know what I'm seeing is, you know, Hall of Fame level talent. I wonder if it's easier for bigs though to thrive, right? Like, cause so much of what they do, I think they can do regardless of whether the coach is good or bad. I, this I'm really just pulling this out of thin air. No, right they got to give, but you got to give them the green light. Like, right. Like, and JB's done that. He gave and he's doing it. Yeah. To go coast to coast and spin, get a bucket, shoot threes. Right. But it's yeah, not like a guard, like a point guard where, you know, if you turn the ball over a lot, you get jerked out of the game right, and things game. like that. Yeah. 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 He's something special. What's uh, everyone doing for Thanksgiving? Have you guys already talked about it? Am I late to the game? We ha- no, we doing, haven't talked Thanksgiving. Doing radio. On Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. Amin, Amin Hassan and I will be on NBA radio from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific time. So check out uh, Out of Bounds on NBA radio on Sirius XM NBA. Uh, I can't remember what channel it is. I think it's channel 86. Yeah, that's not happening. Sounds fantastic. Oh, man. Oh, man. We're going to have morning? 7 a.m. On uh, Thanksgiving p- Day? P- yeah, Pacific time. So 10, 10 a.m. to 1, wow. 1 p.m. on uh, the East Coast for you guys. That's cool. Nothing much going on in the morning anyway. That's cool. What are you guys then, talking about? Whatever happened the night before? Whatever happened the night and before, uh, knowing Amin and I, we'll probably talk some shitty movies and uh, and wait for a producer to bring us back down to earth. Um, and then uh, and then on uh, on Black Friday, I will be on Mad Dog Sports Radio, uh, hosting from 5 p.m. Pacific time to 8 p.m. Pacific time. So doing a lot of radio Thanksgiving weekend. Radio Zach over here. Radio Zach, man. And do then you, uh, I may go. You, I may go home to Oregon uh, the week after. See my parents. Do you make the takes any spicier for radio? Um, I've yelled at quite a few callers who called in. Really? Well, not like, yeah, like they, you know, I, I match the energy of those who come at me. And so sometimes callers would get a little, you know, a little boisterous and say, you know, this is ridiculous. I can't believe you see it said that. And then I, you know, being, uh, that, you know, I'm hosting the show, I can come over the top of them. And, uh, I know it's uncharacteristic. I know Tom is shocked that this is, this is the persona I would have on radio. <laughs> shocked. Oh man! So I'm, hey, so. I'm also uh, if we're doing plugs, the Haberstro Show podcast with David Griffin. It is not produced by Jade. Sadly enough, um, it is still uh, hopefully worth listening to. If you want to check it out, it's at Art Nineteen or anywhere you get your podcast, the Haberstro Show. And everyone is tweeting at me, and me mentioning this now is probably going to add more fuel to the fire. It's not the Haber Show podcast, okay? Okay. Um, it's not Haber Show. Jade, uh, cut all that out. We're not. We're yeah, not. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it well, if we're, if we're plugging stuff, uh, Co- Coach and I did, did a really good pod last week. We did a mailbag, talked about Thanksgiving. On back to back? On the back to back. Okay, podcast. Jade, don't, don't cut this. Keep this in. That's right. Nerder She Wrote. <laughs> On the Nerder She Wrote pod, uh, which is all new, all original. And would we say it's better, Coach? Better this season? It seems I'm like right it, here, you know, guys, it's not stale. Something. I would say right it's not here. stale. It's smart. The singing isn't as good. Singing's <laughs> not as good. I'll give you well, that. hang on. It's been non-existent. Just wait. I'll, I'll right. pull that out. We're oh, going to post All-Star when we're trying to, you know, get the ratings up. Um, oh, boy. But, yeah, it, it was it was a really good show. We got asked a lot of good questions. And, and uh, actually, one that I want to ask here before we wrap. Uh, to to Zach and and Tom, 
What's your least favorite statistic? Oh, <laughs> this Don't is a great question. Don't it's a great question. Get him started. Oh boy! Have you heard of revolutions per minute? That's yeah, horrible. yeah. That, well, that was horrible. yesterday, right? Yesterday was RPM day, right? Horrible yesterday statistic was... of RPM. Zach's oh my favorite God. thing. How can I, have, be, I haven't heard. Let me hear Zach's. How can it be real plus minus when 25% of it is a guess? That's not real. That's 75% real plus minus. Wow. I've talked to, I've talked to several very smart analytically inclined executives who have told me they won't even consider that statistic because of how much noise there is in there. And yet, and yet we are going to have people all over this internet of ours Citing a statistic that they have no idea how it's calculated. They have no idea how it's calculated. And I don't either because it's such a mystery. But they're going to say, oh, yeah, this says that my player is good, so uh, so he's good. Get out of here. That doesn't stop people from using passer rating. Sure. No, I'm, I'm not saying there are perfect statistics. I'm saying you're going to come at me and say, well, it's the best we have. Get the fuck out of here. My, that stat my, is garbage. My complaint with that has been in a, for a couple of years uh, – when I studied uh, guys like Kevin Love and Clay Thompson, I thought I thought Kevin Love was an underrated defender, not playoff pick and roll mismatch stuff, but just over the course of the season. I'm going back three, four years. Uh, he always had fantastic uh, defensive RPM numbers, and I was told, well, uh, and I agreed with him. I thought he was better than a really great help defender. Oh no, uh, he's an aberration. And then I was saying, I think Clay Thompson's way overrated, and and then I'd look at his defensive RPMs, and he would suck. And they'd say, oh, that's just, uh, you know, that's just the noise. Well, then what the fuck is the stat worthwhile at the end of the season <laughs> if you can pick and choose? I don't get it. Well, that's the thing. Like, I can, here's the thing of like, all right. Defensive use, stats suck anyway. Right, exactly. There's not, there's not a that's defensive stat worth, worth having. So, I'm, so, like, I don't, just because it's the best of a bad bunch, I don't want to, like, that doesn't right. do anything for me. Yep. Don't quote um, me. Right. Don't quote like, me. Yeah, at least with, at least with uh, PER, I know that there is a tipping point in which a high volume player is going to have a better, like I know the inefficiency in calculating that yeah. stat, right? Yeah. I know with win shares, it is heavily based on rebounding. Correct. So like rebounders are going to have higher, higher win share totals or higher win share for 48. Like I know the bias within that. We don't know the bias within RPM. So how can you possibly use yeah. it and cut it and cut it down to, to what it actually might say or where it actually might be saying um, for any given player on either side of the ball if we don't have that information, that's my issue with it. Tom, so is there uh, a real plus minus? Should be possible plus minus. Yeah, it's like uh, it, it should just theoretical. Be plus, it should just be plus theoretical minus. plus minus. Just with a question mark at the end. Just plus Tom, minus. Tom, aside from uh, Andrew Wiggins' shooting percentage from three, just again, Dale your, Ellis, Jeff Hornacek, least favorite I, I feel like statistic. That out. Field goal percentage is the new mm, batting average. Love this. Like when, yeah. when people say, "Hey, shooting forty-five uh, percent from the floor, he's garbage," and I'm like, "No." Uh, JJ Redick is not garbage because on every one of those 45% shots, it's worth three and three is worth more than two. So, so yeah, EFG is what you should be talking about, right? Or yeah, true, exactly. like, or true, true shooting, shooting. Right, of course, for the guys, but, but, I mean, right. true shooting involves how often you get to the free throw right. line. So that kind of, um, messes things up, but it's just, but in terms of people, scoring efficiency, it's that, I mean, that's good though. Right. In terms of factoring that in. Right. Yes. Yes. Like, like every time. Like, Every time you try to make a shot, every time you take a shot, this is how many points, you know, it's weird is that we don't do points per shot. Like it's points per shot makes so much sense. It's true shooting percentage is just 
points per shot, you know? Well, so last night on the ding or this morning on the ding, I should say, uh, you know, I pointed out Russell Westbrook had 29 points on 25 shots. And, uh, I always try to add that context. Cause I think it does matter. You know, true shot. Did you say true shots or shots or just no? Like, Cause I didn't do the math on how many times he went to the free throw line and all that. I, I did it the way of mine though, is when someone like, it is a pet peeve of mine when they say like, Oh my God, Kemba made 40 points on 12 shots. And you're like, okay, let's, right. let, let's point out that he had 24 free throw attempts. Right. That's somehow yeah. that should be accounted for too. Right. Yeah. That isn't me shitting on you. That was me just saying, uh, Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I know, but no, I, I, I get a bad rap for, uh, kind of, uh, riding Westbrook a little too hard. And so I didn't want to bring up that. He also took, you know, an extra shot with its two free throws. Who gives you the bad rap of riding that guy too hard? Everybody four shots in the everybody last of the series. Well, it's, it's interesting. I find that Russell Westbrook, uh, there is no middle ground. No, it's everyone hates him or everyone loves him. The thing is, he's one of my favorite guys to actually just sit and watch play yeah, because he does incredible stuff all the time. That's why but, people watch NASCAR. But right. But exactly. It's exactly what it is. But man, he can. <laughs> we're, just, we're just waiting the for the car crash with Russell. Super fast people. You know, one. He, I mean, he is every four, tight fourth quarter with him is like the final scene in 10 cup. It's a goddamn roller coaster. <laughs> oh, my God. It's amazing. It is. It, it, and it's it is fascinating, just fascinating to watch and, and to talk to people who see something completely different than what I see. And it, like, listen, I coach, so I watch the game a little bit differently. And I'm I'm sure, coach, uh, you feel the same way. And so some of the stuff that he does frustrates me in a different way than it than it might other people. Um, but man, there's still nobody I'd rather watch almost in the entire league. He is so entertaining, but it doesn't mean he's you know a top five player. No. Well, I think this is a great place to wrap up because we are a top five podcast. <laughs> oh, top, top two good. and we're not two, right? Exactly. Top two and we're not two. Uh, check out the Haverstrow pod, the Haverstro show. The Haverstrow show. How, how, Haver show. how often are you taping him? Uh, every couple of weeks. We're not doing it every week, um, but I will get you, not Zach or Dave or Jay, but I will get you on the show. Oh, I was about to say, I, I, I'm waiting for my invite. Yeah, you just let me know when you need the Harper bump to bump those statistics, Tom. Uh, <laughs> check out the Daily Ding. Check out BOM <laughs> feed. Rate, uh, subscribe, review uh, both those feeds uh, available on various podcasting platforms. Check out. Uh, we biggest have a number. Special, the yes. biggest number. On uh, NBC Sports, uh, subscribe to The Athletic. Um, go to theathletic.com slash back-to-back. You still get that promo code, I believe. Uh, what else we got? Um, we have Thanksgiving Day Mailbag coming up this week. We have uh, Snark Hoops that will be uh, in Jade's inbox later today. And I do believe there is a rumor of a audio documentary happening about oh, a back-to-back right. back back moment. Yes. A classic holiday moment in the back-to-back LTC Very cool. uh, true hoop lore. So uh, awesome. check that, that out. Is that true, Jade? Uh, it is true. I haven't been interviewed about it yet, but we'll see how that you goes. You haven't? <laughs> oh, damn, man. I got, I got an interview about it. That would hey, be critical. By the way, this, this week's BOMM was fantastic. I, so if people haven't subscribed to that, make sure you subscribe to that, which is on its own feed. But I thought Black Trey, when he was talking about uh, you know, the difference between growing up in L.A. and, and all the gang culture and, and in and around it and 
wanted to get out. I thought it was great. I think everybody should listen to it. Awesome. Amen. I agree. All right, fellas. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.